0: You know, we are on holy ground. No doubt, we are on holy ground this morning. I was praying back there, and that's what came to my mind. I just kicked my shoes off. I don't know if that's necessary anymore. But we are on holy ground. When God comes, it's holy, holy, holy. And with with God's presence, when He comes, when revival comes, you know, things happen. People get right with God. Brethren, confess their faults one to another. And as I was praying... God just put on my heart something I hadn't thought of, but I owe you, church, a confession. And I want to do that right now. Um, I have put you under, some of you for sure, under a law of expectation. I remember one time Manuel Esch preached a message and he mentioned the law of expectation that we put on people. It wasn't that long ago, I was here, up here, and I shared that if the church does so and so, I will be, I will be grieved. And I was walking in the law. Since that, I have died to the law. I don't put that law of expectation on anybody. I am walking. In Grace I am walking in God's Spirit and those things that were important to me are not important anymore I just ask your forgiveness for putting you under that. I know I did And I see you completely different. I cannot tell you in words young people how much I Rejoice when I hear what's happening with some of you and what I see this morning I want to just be very clear and call some things out that I see. Lynette, you always have a smile when you're up here singing. But this morning, it was a bit different. Your whole face was a smile. That's, that's what God does. I don't know what happened to you, but I know something good happened to you. And the same way with you. <clears throat> I am so deeply grateful. You know, we as a leadership team have been praying that God would send revival starting with us. And I'm sure some of us have experienced revival. And I have. I know that. And I know, but to see it break out in the young people is just wow. Wow. Keep on. Keep on. <clears throat> that is you would think probably the way you are experiencing God's presence, you will never, ever live any other way. And I pray that's the truth, that the reality is it doesn't always go that way. I'll share a little bit of my, my own experience, my own <clears throat> testimony in, in some of those things. But we can, if we walk in the Spirit, I don't know if you've seen the title of my message. It's the longest title I ever gave to a message called The Old Man, The New Man, The Flesh, and The Spirit. That's all in the title. And probably some of those phrases are a bit confusing to you. And, and I take some of that responsibility. We have not taught. Enough. We have not discipled. You know, we go back to our, our upbringing. (laughs) Well, if I go back to my, when I was some of your age, I was being told you can't even know that you're born again. You just hope. And then we got to the place where we, all the focus was on a young person or somebody getting born again. And, and then, And we rejoiced in that, and we should. When somebody gets born again, that is great. But then we spent the rest of our life trying to live good lives, basically reform our old man or our old nature and try to bring forth some good out of the old. Not much, if any, discipleship. You know, we have talked as a leadership. We need to be discipling. But probably none of us ever experienced being discipled. And so you have to work with us. But it's the, the message I want to preach this morning is a discipleship message. I want you to understand <clears throat> uh, what we talk about when we talk about these things. And it took some searching. If we search, if we seek, something happens. We seek, we shall find. We knock, it will be opened up. We won't find these answers by just casually reading. You seek. You know, uh, in Hebrews, I think it says that uh, if without faith, it is impossible to please God. For we must believe that He is, that He exists, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, that says diligently. You know, we can't. We if we seek Him diligently, then He rewards us. How have you ever thought of it? How does He reward us? You know, I I ask God these questions. Uh, the more I seek Him, it doesn't give us a plaque to put on the wall that we've, you know, been diligent in in seeking Him. He rewards us by opening our understanding our comprehension and we we understand we things that we didn't understand we understand that comes from diligently seeking God that's how he rewards us and I encourage you diligently seek him uh, <clears throat> that's what he does well I want to get started. I probably won't get finished, but I want to get started. Zach Poonin made this statement. Almost 100% of the Christians that he meets, no, almost all of the Christians he meets, he said, are 100% sure that their sins are forgiven. Every one of you here that's born again, how many of you know that your sins are forgiven? That's right. They all go up. Okay, he said, but not, but, but they're not so sure that the old man is crucified. I would probably get a little hesitation if I'd ask you here, because you probably aren't quite sure what that means. I didn't know what that, I wouldn't have had a real clear understanding of that, but by seeking, I believe it does it 's simple the, the, the scripture is simple the gospel is simple <clears throat> uh, by using the old man and the new man uh, the it gets a little confusing because that is using the King James version that we don 't speak today quite like the King James version was. <clears throat> I use that basically mostly basically because the scriptures I've memorized and I think of while I'm preaching I will quote a scripture it's it's almost exclusively the King James uh, King James Version there's other versions that are more like the way we speak and I would prefer to use that and I do last Sunday I was in Ohio And Sunday morning before I preached, I was asked if I use the King James Version. I said I do, but not exclusively. Well, I was asked if I would, if I would that day. I was a little taken aback, but I said, yeah, I will for my weak brother. (laughs) Now I have to be clear. The first part I said, the last part I thought, I didn't say it. You know, things might all be Lawful, but that wouldn 't have been very expedient but it 's true we had a wonderful time it we, It was great it was with believers, but you know they had not been enlightened probably on some areas, but anyway it was it was good <clears throat> uh, The old man and the new man in the king james is is used the old nature and the new nature in other. Uh, in other translations some other translations and here is where I am not everybody sees it exactly the same way but I believe the old man our old nature is simply what we were born with and what we lived with until the day of conversion that's our old man you know the old man never struggled with sin the old man just indulged in sin you know that's that's how we were before our conversions uh some of us most of us grew up with uh with good moral things and we might have been uh convicted by doing some things just because of our upbringing but the old man the old nature is what we were it's the adam nature that's what we were born with uh, the day that we get born again, the day that we receive Christ, the day that our understanding opens and we um, we accept god 's forgiveness there 's a lot of ways of saying it, but that day. I think God gives us a new, a new nature. And we can walk in that new nature. Now what happens with the old? What happens with the old? <clears throat> Here's where I came to. I believe that the, our old man, Romans 7, you mentioned Romans 7, it's not a joke. Believe me, Romans 7, I have wallowed in Romans seven and in, I mean six, not seven. Seven's the different story. Romans six and <laughs> you don't wallow in Romans seven. That's the old man. That's the old, that's a person seeking to get born again and he wants the new nature. Romans six and Galatians five, I have, I have feasted in that the last week or so. It is, it is, it is life. But I can, in Romans 6, 6, I will give you what I mean by the old man. <clears throat> in Romans 6 says, it says, knowing, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be subdued. Is that what it says? Destroyed. That's right. That the body of sin might be s- destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve, we should not serve sin. That thing has been destroyed that, that, that pushes us into, uh, into sin. But we must then put on the new man. Because if you This happens a lot. Somebody gets born again. They get cleansed. The old man is out. You know, we reckon the old man to be dead. Uh, And some people feel like the old man is still alive. Jesus, I think, took the old man to the cross, crucified it there... And then we do not have to serve sin. That old man and the new man is what takes place in our mind. We still have the flesh to deal with. The flesh is our body. Well, I'll get to that. We deal with the flesh, but the old man is destroyed if we believe it. If we don't believe it, we're going to continue walking with the old man. If we do not believe it, because it's by faith that we believe that, and if we believe that, we're going to have a power. That's this is all connected. But I'm going to. I said I'll share my my testimony. The old man, the new man. That's before conversion after conversion i had that when i was a young man i was married you know i was i was uh, my mid 20s i think when i got born again and it was a good experience it was great but i had no teaching i didn't know i didn't know anything my first encounter and i'm getting a little ahead of myself but i i don't use notes last sunday i had a whole bunch of notes and i just didn't use them anymore I didn't get time to to look at... I mean, I look at a couple of things, but I, I told the church there that I used to spend a lot of time getting everything together and then kind of reading through my sermon. But if you have the Spirit within you, if you're walking in the Spirit, God is telling you what to preach. I said, I still spend a lot of time preparing a message but he'd spend more of it prayer pairing the message you know you pray to God and he will give you he will give you the desires of your heart that is walking in the spirit it, it, it's such a beautiful way the flesh the flesh doesn't have to flesh does not have to have the preeminence in, in your life it, it's, it's up to us But my experience, I was in the first encounter that I ever had. I was probably born again for I don't know how many years, trying to live a good life, trying to make sure that my flesh was in subjection to, you know, the. we tried to make our flesh be spiritual. We did not have the understanding that... It's the flesh that we, we live with, that we, that you see, you know, the things that you see here are flesh, but within me is a spirit. And that is the real me. You know, that is what lo- keeps right on going after this body dies. It lives forever. Well, I had no teaching whatsoever on that. Now, I was in Johnstown Hospital with Kath's sister, uh, Her husband, uh, Micah's dad was dying in the hospital. The church at Bedford, which I was a part of, had been praying for him. He, I don't know how many weeks he was there already. He was just hanging there. And we would get together every evening and pray. And one night, about 11 o'clock at night, revival came. It was like this morning. It was holy ground. Brethren started confessing their faults. One, they just went and just spontaneously they were confessing their faults. Revival was really great. And I don't know how long it was after that. It was probably right after that. I was at the, in the Johnstown Hospital, uh, intensive care waiting room because we would spend time with, uh, Kath's sister, She was back with her husband about all the time, but she would come out. We would pray with her and that type of thing But I was reading in John and I think I may have shared this before but I was reading in John And I came across remember we are in a church where it's all law and rules and you know and I I'm reading about Jesus said I will go And I will send you the comforter which is the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, I think there's, there's no difference. Uh, and he will guide you into all truth. And I looked at my wife. I said, if the Holy Spirit promised here he's going to guide us into all truth, why do we have so many rules and laws in the church? I just asked that, you know. And about that time, I noticed in the room, across the room, was an older lady sitting, and she People were coming up to her and they would intensively be talking and they would cry and and uh they would go and more people would come and I just got this mm. I looked at my wife. I said I feel like I should go and offer to pray for them, should I? Well she said if God's telling you to, you should. So I did. I just went over and I said, Ma'am, I don't know what you're facing, but it's Obviously something traumatic. Would you want me to pray for you? Oh, she just said, please Please he said my daughter is back there behind those doors and she shot herself We don't know if she's alive or not. And so I prayed a simple prayer and and uh, When I was done she and the people around her said Do you do this all the time? I said, no, I've never done this before. She said, we were just saying we wish somebody would come and pray, and then you showed up. I said, well, I was reading there about the Holy Spirit, that he will guide us, and he prompted me to do just this. And it was just like an amazing thing. This was my first encounter with the Holy Spirit that I could really point to. A couple of days later, I was going up the elevator and all at once, the same place, going to the same place, all at once, somebody said, this is the guy that prayed for us the other day. And she grabbed my arms and told her daughter, I think it was, or her friend, I was telling you about the man that came and prayed. This is him. She said, my, my daughter is going to recover. And the sad thing, that was so exciting. The sad thing is, I didn't know really how to continue in what God has had started and that's what and so I went back into law things and a whole lot of things that and the flesh that is extremely important you know the scripture tells and I don't know where it is about the spirit that is cast out of a man and he goes and looks for a place to live and he can't find another place and so he says "Well, I'm going to go back where I was and he takes seven others I think with him and they find the home that they lived in swept and garnished it's swept you know what garnish means it looks good I think it had plain clothes on you know that is it, it's swept and garnished, but it's not blood washed. You know, it's not washed. They are able to go into that, to, to that place. And here's a little example I'll use. To those of you that live in Honduras, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Have you ever heard of squatters? If somebody owns in Honduras, there's the rich and then there's the poor in between uh, there's a growing middle class, but the poor mostly have no place to live. And so they will go, and if they find a piece of land that is not being cultivated, they will move on there, and they will claim that as their own. They're called squatters. And the landowners have to cultivate their ground if they don't want it taken over by squatters. That is exactly what happens with us. If we do not cultivate our land, our spiritual life, that will be taken over by squatters, and they're hard to get rid of uh, sometimes. Sometimes they they don't want to leave, put it that way. If If you have those spirits within you, they don't want to leave. They like it where they're at. But if they hear... I was, not many of you would hear this. Many years ago here, in this church, there was a lady, a sister, very quiet sister, came to the leadership and said, I need help. And I was asked, along with another brother, to try and see what they need, what she needs. And when we were praying, I think I mentioned something about, the spirit, oh, something manifested. There's spiritual, there's spirits in here. And we spent quite a few hours over three nights dealing with those spirits. When they were done, those spirits were gone and this, there was things came out of her mouth that absolutely wasn't her. There was a lot of things came out of her mouth, wasn't her. She was a new creature. Those squatters were gone, and uh, that is really important—that you cultivate, continue to cultivate that ground, or, um, or they'll take over. But it's not something we have to be scared of. We just have to walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> Put off the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, again. In Colossians 3, put off the old man with his deeds. The old man is dead, but it's up to us to believe that. If we don't, we're going to still try and deal with the old man within us. Put on the new man. Uh, Yeah, Here's a question I forgot to ask. I said, somebody might have wondered this, can a young man, can a young person have an old man? Yeah, because it's just the old nature. Can a young person, yeah, you can. Anybody can have that old nature that you have to get rid of. Um, Okay, I have done quite a few there. Here is something that I just read this morning and I just really appreciated a, a, a minister. He put what I've been saying about the old man really in, in good words, I think. He said, we are never called to crucify our old man. Why? Because it's already happened. The old man was crucified with Christ on the cross. Nowhere in scripture, uh, does it, the scripture call upon us to go to get rid of our old man for the obvious reason he's already gone what you and I are called upon to do is to cease to live to stop living as if we as if he were still there and to realize that he is not there Uh, that is the New Testament method of sanctification the whole trouble with us says the New Testament is that we do not realize what we are that we are, then we still go on thinking, we have the old man and we go on trying to do things to the old man. This has already been done. The old man was crucified with Christ. The new man, 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Now I want you to notice this. We are either in Adam Or we are in Christ. That's why one of the things that I believe that the old man has been taken to the cross. We are, and again, some people still live live in, as if they're in the old, with the old man. But it says, is any man what? In Christ. If we're in Adam, we don't have that power. If we are in Christ, we're a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things are to become you. <clears throat> Put on the new man, which, after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's in Ephesians. Uh, the new man, the new nature, is the result of being born again. In our culture, yeah, I did say this, all our focus has been getting born again, but not in making disciples. Um, immediately immediately after the new nature comes the new birth we should do baptism baptism Romans 6 I uh, somehow some reason I had the privilege of baptizing quite a few people the last three months Three different locations, not here, and you know it's there's not much of more joyous occasion than to do a baptism. I absolutely love that. But Romans six, I uh, should look look at my Bible. I do most of my Bible reading on here because it's has a light here. It's hard for me to see. I'll probably just do that because I don't see that. I don't like the bright lights, but, uh, this is okay. It's not too bad. Uh, Romans, Romans chapter six. So beautiful about baptism. It says, know you not that so many of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, We are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The question has been asked, I've heard it many times, is baptism a part of salvation or is it symbolic of what has happened? And the answer is yes. It is symbolic, and it is a part of our salvation. You know, you look at the Scripture and it says, Believe and be baptized, and ye shall be saved. It doesn't give you the option to do one or the other. And where was it that uh, somebody, where, be baptized and wash away your sins? That was told to somebody. I didn't look that up. You have Scripture that baptism is tightly connected with our new birth experience it's it's part but then it is also symbolic what i just read it's like as you know it's it's like as christ was we we partake in the baptism like christ did in his death burial and resurrection but we don't physically die at least the ones I've baptized have it. You know, when they, especially if the water's a little cold, they are very much alive when they go down and when they come back up. There's no dying there. In, it's symbolic. It's like as. We reckon, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, it, both of those questions are correct. It is a part of salvation, and it is symbolic of what we are experiencing with Christ. I don't know if you all agree with me. Um, be open for correction. Not right now, but soon. <laughs> You're welcome to. I have. I'm learning. You know. I'm almost seventy years old. There's so many things that I am learning because I did not diligently seek Him before now. I am now. I love. I can't wait to get into. The word and learn new things. You know, my my comprehension or my thinking on repentance totally changed this year. Some month ago, I was studying about that. I was I listened to a lot of messages, different preachers, and you know, some preacher told shared what that. repentance in the two languages of the Bible are not quite the same. And I forget, is it Greek or Hebrew? The one means um, to change your mind, to change your thinking. And so a person that repents changes the way he thinks. The other one is a change of direction. You're going this way, and you stop, and you go back. Like the prodigal son that Andy was sharing. That's the most perfect picture of repentance that you'll ever see. I thought repentance is when somebody's up here on the altar, and he's weeping and wailing, and the more he weeps and wails, the more true, more deep his repentance is. Well, that might be a part of it, but that's not what repentance is. You know, that the prodigal son is the true picture of repentance there's rejoicing i said there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents there was rejoicing when the prodigal son came back you know the father never asked him what all he did back there when he was in the far country you know he didn't ask him about that he knew his son had been going that way and had returned he told his other son. He said, "My son was dead, and he's alive." He said, and so they threw a party, and they they had. Re- I said, "Why? If there's rejoicing in heaven, and there's rejoicing in the prodigal son story, why haven't we learned how to deal with a repentant person? Throw a party, get get excited." Now I realize not all re- people that say they're repentant truly are repentant, but. How many more would go on in their new life if they got treated like the prodigal son did? You know, if, if that son would have got treated like most churches treated, like we probably did, I don't, I don't remember, but we, uh, we didn't have some of those enlightenments. <clears throat> so that's the old man, the new man, baptism, the flesh. The flesh is what I said earlier. It's our body. It's the part that we see. The old man and the new man, the old nature and the new nature, is a spirit that lives in our flesh or our body. It cannot be seen with our literal eyes. But the fruit thereof can be seen, whether it's the flesh or whether it's the new man. The fruit that comes out, we can see We shall know and be known by our fruits. We can only crucify the flesh in the meaning of holding back or uh, subduing or better yet overpowering it with the Spirit's direction. Apart from the Spirit, the flesh does nothing good, does no good thing. Romans seven. In me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. <clears throat> Now, the Spirit, and I don't know, I don't want to go much longer. The Spirit is the greatest part of this. Ezekiel 36, back in the Old Testament, God said, this is what I'm going to do. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. God's promised He's going to put a new spirit within us. Talking about the new covenant. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That is when you, when you have the new, the new life, the new man, you still have the flesh. And those are contrary one to another. By a new, the King James says they lust one against the other. That's a wrong, that's a poor way in the way we would speak. They are in conflict with each other. That is what the new man, the, the flesh and the spirit are in conflict. You can have the spirit, but let the flesh have the preeminence. That is called a lukewarm Christian, I would say. But if you have... If you're born again and you have God's Spirit in you and you give that Spirit the the go-ahead, if He's your boss, if He's your heffy your, you know, what's the... You know, whatever you say, you give Him the the, the authority. Then... The flesh doesn't have much power. You know, if I had... I love to use examples. I'm going to give you an example for you to just think in your mind. Imagine that I have a glass here. And in that glass is half full of a dark liquid, maybe grape juice. That represents sin. I want sin... I don't want that in my... Body in this glass. Well, you could try and dump it out, and that's what most Christians do. They try to dump it out and keep it out. But the better way is take that cup, and I tried it just to see, make sure it works. I and hold it under a spigot, and the water let the water flow. At first, you're going to have a bit of a murky liquid. That Flowing in there is God's Spirit coming into your body. You just hold that. You don't have to do anything about the sin. That sin is going to disappear because your body is filling up with God's Spirit. If you have, if you, if the Spirit has the preeminence in you, sin doesn't have a chance. There's a couple verses that I, that I just keep going back. Uh, Romans 6, 14. Sin shall, have, shall not have dominion over you. Because you're, you're not under law, but you're under grace. Law comes into this walking in the flesh, just like I confessed. That was law. And that was not God's Spirit. Um, but if you let that living water of God's Spirit flow into that cup, all of that dark stuff is gonna disappear. You don't have to, you don't even have to try. You just have to give the Spirit its preeminence. I don't know how you all feel about what I'm saying, but, uh, I believe with all my heart, this is true. We have to learn to walk in the Spirit and we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That is the Spirit. <clears throat> uh, Another another example that I thought of that you can remember. <clears throat> In having dealing with the flesh and dealing with God's spirit, who gets to power your body? I have a lawnmower, a big lawnmower, and it has two fuel tanks, one on each side. I can if one's half full, I can I don't have to switch from one to the other. Automatically it takes care of it. So how does the mower, how, how does it determine which tank gets to fuel the, fuel the machine? It's pretty simple. It's the one that's the fullest. It's the one that's the fullest. It'll take that and then the one that's, when it gets empty then, it, you know, it switches around. But the thing to remember It'll fuel will come from whatever's the fullest. If you are full of the flesh, if your body, if you give the most attention to the flesh, that's what's going to fuel you. If you do the same thing with the spirit, that's, that's going to that's have the upper hand. <clears throat> oh my, We haven't even gotten to the works of the flesh in Galatians five and then the fruit of the spirit. You know, I used to look at those, that list, you know, the the works of the flesh, there's a whole bunch of not-so-good ones. And then there's a whole bunch of fruit of the Spirit. And I used to look at that and I would say, well, I think, you know, I've got some of each, but I think I have more of the Spirit, so I think I'm doing pretty good. You know, that is so completely wrong. That is what comes out of the body depending on which one you have given I'm sorry what did I say I think I'm done I, I said I didn't I wasn't going to go into that I think I'm going to call it finished just another couple minutes Um uh, walking A person who walks in the Spirit is going to be much more sensitive to things of the Spirit. You know, I know that we have often seen people doing things that, that's not good. That's not good. And we focus on the person. D.K. I think has taught me more about, it's the Spirit in him or her. We fight, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. That is where we are. Uh, Our warfare is not against people that are not doing what they should. It is the spirit in us, the spirit in them. I don't think there's a lot more you could say. Um, I basically have covered we, uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, verse 24. Though, Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. That's the new living. You do that You can walk in the Spirit, it is is—it is beyond anything that our flesh can comprehend. Am I right, young people? (laughs) I think you have experienced a lot of this. I think many of us have experienced, like me in Johnstown, I experienced the start of it, but I didn't realize how to continue. I don't intend to ever go back to where I was because the Spirit giveth life. The flesh, um, what is it? The the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Which do you want to be, a dead body or a living body? It's our choice. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for... Your goodness to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads and guides us into all truth. God, that is your promise. And when we seek diligently, we will find and you will reward us. Thank you. I pray the Holy Spirit upon all of the people, not just the young people, but all of us here, those who are seeking diligently, that you would give them the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth. And God, that they would never look back or turn back. They would go, all of us would go forth, knowing, God, that the glory that you have for those that are faithful. Thank you for each one here. May you bless us and guide us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.